Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. Well, I'm glad to have you here today. And... It's a joy to be able to be in the Lord's house. And one of the things that I appreciate about this church, in addition to what my wife said, is you folks sing. In fact, we had a group here for uh, Jim Reese memorial service, and his kids, some of his kids and grandkids did the music. And they had ear uh, earbuds that would, the sound system, would project the piano into their ear, the instruments into their ear so they could hear it and then sing along with it. They brought all their own equipment for that. And uh, they couldn't hear the music because the congregation was singing so loudly. So that was awesome. (laughs) He said, well, I've never been in a church where people sing like that. And so that was really fun. You guys do a great job singing praise to the Lord. Now, I know some of you don't like to sing, but the Bible's filled with all kinds of admonitions, challenges, and commands to sing to the Lord. It does your heart good to sing. Even if your voice isn't all that good, it's a blessing to your heart and God's heart when you sing. So if you ask people what's their purpose in life, you're going to get all kinds of different answers. Some are going to say, well, providing for my family living a successful life. Some would say having a great relationship with family and friends, traveling the world, some would say, improving the living conditions for those in great need, those who with a philanthropic bent would say, Um, feeling loved, some would say, having a positive impact on the lives of others, enjoying great wealth and great health. Completing my bucket list. People have different ideas of what it would be to fulfill their purpose in life. But it's interesting, if you go back to when they were living on the earth, and you talk to Jesus Christ, and you talk to the Apostle Paul, uh, then you would find a different story. They would totally disagree with that, and their answer might actually surprise you because both Jesus and Paul would have said they will live and die for the church. For the church. The church is vitally important to Jesus. Jesus identified so much with the the church that he calls it his body. He identifies so much with the church. He said, I will build my church. And before he became a believer, Paul was called Saul of Tarsus. And before he trusted Christ and started following him, he was attacking the church. Now, There's no evidence at all of Paul having actually met Jesus when Jesus had his ministry on the earth. He certainly would have known of Jesus because he grew up in the home of a Pharisee and became a Pharisee. So he would have been well aware of who Jesus was, uh, but there's no indication of one-on-one contact between them. Uh, But when the apostle Paul um, was persecuting the church, 
Jesus, when he was still called Saul and he was persecuting the church, Jesus spoke to him from heaven, spoke to Saul on earth, and he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He wasn't physically attacking Jesus at that point. Jesus was already in heaven with the Father. He'd given his life to pay the penalty for our sins. He'd raised from the dead. He'd ascended into heaven. He was up in heaven with the Father. But Jesus said, when you mess with my church, you're messing with me. When you hurt my church, you're hurting me. He completely identifies with the church. And so uh, they both focus their heart, their mind, their body, their soul, and their energy for the church. And Paul writes about that in Colossians chapter 1. And we're going to begin in verse 19. We did a little of this last week. For it pleased the Father that in him, Jesus, all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight, if indeed you continue in the faith grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. We'll read a little bit more a little bit later, but let's jump back into the beginning here, verses 20 through 22. And this part focuses on trusting Christ for salvation. When we trust Christ for salvation, he reconciles us to God. Now, I don't know if any of you ever, ever done any accounting or you've reconciled your bank statement, but what you do when you're reconciling something is you look at the assets and you look at the debits. So you take the credits and the debits and you fill it, figure it all out. And when you come down to the end, then you have the current balance. Now, what Jesus did is all we had was debt. The wages of sin is death. All we had was debt, the debt of our sin, the debt of those obligations. We had that debt, but Jesus came in and he gave us a credit so great that it overcomes all our debts. His mercy is more, the songwriter said. His grace is sufficient, the scripture says. It washed, he washed away our sins. And so we have been reconciled to God so that when God looks at the statement of your life, he doesn't see your sin debt. He sees paid in full by Jesus Christ on the cross. He reconciled you to himself. He brought you there. You were completely separated from God because of your sins. But you now, once you receive Christ as Savior, you can be fully connected with God through Jesus Christ. That includes kids. Fully connected with God through Jesus Christ once you've trusted him as Savior. You were enemies, but now you're family. You were pursuing wicked works, but now he has declared you to be holy 
and blameless and above reproach in Christ. That's what he says here in the scripture. He has reconciled us in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach. Verse 22 says, he has reconciled you, brought you to God. And so now when God looks at a believer, okay, God doesn't ignore your sin. God sees your sin as a believer. If you sin, you need to ask the Lord to forgive your sins and he will. That's what he says in scripture. God doesn't ignore your sins, but he sees that the blood of Christ paid so much more than your sin. If it was your bank account and you were in debt and you owed $10,000, and then what God came in and he did, he put a credit of a million dollars in your account. And now you may mess up and owe a hundred bucks another time or a thousand bucks sometime, but it's paid in full by the credit that God has applied through the blood of Jesus Christ. You're reconciled. He brings you together with God. We know reconciliation in the accounting term. We also know reconciliation in the relationship term. Sometimes people have been at odds for years. They haven't talked to each other for years. And they can sometimes, by the way, that's sinful. Don't be that person that doesn't talk to somebody for years. Okay, if they've already gone to heaven, it's okay not to talk to them. But if they're here on earth, you have to show God's kindness to them, even if they annoy you a little bit or a lot of bit. Uh, but don't be that person. But when relationships are brought together, there's a reconciliation. It's special. It's significant. The second thing that he does is following Christ gives us righteousness. Following Christ focuses on righteousness. Look at verse 23. If indeed you continue in the faith. Pause right there just for a minute. Continue in the faith. The faith is when you believe and trust in Jesus Christ. And then continue in the faith is to continue believing and trusting and following Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, grounded and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which is preached to you. So he's encouraging them to stay true, to follow, to be righteous. So continuing in the faith is the normal pattern for those who believe. Now, sometimes some people trust Christ as a kid, and then somewhere in their teenage years or young adult years, they stray away from following the Lord, and then they come back. Aren't you glad that God always takes us back when we repent, and he brings us back into his family? Uh, but the plan that God has is for you to just keep growing and be close to him and stay in the faith. And we're going to go through difficult times. There's going to be times in your life where you feel like I pray all the time and God doesn't listen. My pastor, when I was a kid, used to call it the, the heavens seem like brass. Your prayers just bounce off. But God always cares. He allows you to go through difficult circumstances to help grow and mature you. And you never go through them alone. He goes through them with you. If you will look for him and trust him and follow him. So when you're following the path of Christ, pursuing righteousness, just ask, what's the next right thing? What's the next 
wise thing. What would be the wise thing for me to do? How many of you have heard the redneck's famous last words, right? Famous last words of a redneck. Hey, y'all, watch this. Uh, okay, well, what, what's, what's your famous words? What, what is the pattern that you're going to have? Uh, instead of saying, hey, I bet I can survive this really stupid thing I'm going to try. How about if you pause just for a minute and say, what's the next wise thing? What would be the wisest thing? What would be the best step? What would keep me aligned with Christ and not have me move away from Christ? Now, sometimes we get hurt by other people. The actions of other people cause us sometimes physical, sometimes emotional pain. But sometimes we do it to ourselves because we're making poor choices. And so Paul said, continue in the faith, make wise choices, pursue the Lord. We are all called to be servants and ministers of Christ for the gospel, as Paul said he was at the end of verse 23. Now in verse 24, he talks about serving Christ for the church. Serving Christ for the church. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. For the sake of his body, which is the church, or for the church. Now, how does he begin this? Does he begin by saying, I am moaning because I'm suffering. Doom, despair, and agony on me, because life is hard. No, he says, I rejoice in my sufferings. Not merely willing to suffer, but rejoicing in his sufferings. He's happy to suffer for such a great cause as the work and ministry of Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes we suffer because we make poor choices. A friend of mine was uh, getting ready to turn out into traffic, and he couldn't quite see, but his girlfriend was in the car with him, and he thought she had a better view. And so she said, after this car, it's safe. Well, right then a car went by and he romped out and rammed right into another car. She meant the next car. She was looking past the first car. And so he plowed right into a car. And then they were annoyed with each other because she, you said the next car. Well, I meant the next car, not this car, the next car. And anyway, when, when we get things wrong, but sometimes we suffer because we've made a mistake. Paul was suffering for the church. Now, it doesn't bring a lot of joy to your life to have physical difficulties. If it does, they have a term for people like that. I believe it's called crazy, okay? Uh, but but it, if God uses your physical suffering to give you opportunities to witness for Christ to people you would have never met, people you would have never seen if God hadn't brought this difficulty in your life, then we should be able to rejoice that, hey, God is at work in my life. Yes, it hurts. Yes, it's painful. But God's doing something good. And so Paul was not just talking about the big sufferings of Christ. What were some of the big sufferings that Paul endured? Shipwreck, jail, imprisonment, beatings, 
stoning, eventually death. He, he endured a lot for Christ. But there were a lot of little things. Like we don't know exactly what Paul's affliction was, his thorn in the flesh as he described it. We don't know exactly what that was. The Bible doesn't say, and I think it doesn't on purpose because then we can say, hey, whatever my difficulty is, God's using it like he used Paul's difficulty. And uh, But he had a, a, a suffering part of daily life. He called it the, the cares of all the churches. After the shipwrecked and the night and the day in the deep and bitten by a viper and all kinds of other things, he said also the daily care of the churches. He was writing letters. When he went from one city to another, he would walk for days sometimes. He was preaching to hostile crowds. He was harassed by some of the people he desperately wanted to minister to. And then he was also harassed by other believers who should have been supporting him. So he was harassed on all sides sometimes. And Paul said at one point in his first trial, no one stood with him. No one. Yet Christ stood with him. So serving Christ for the church, he said, listen, what I'm doing is important enough that I'm rejoicing to suffer for Christ. I want to pause there just for a moment. What are you doing for Christ that would make it important enough that suffering would be okay? It's worth it when you're following Christ. And then Paul, God used Paul to help fulfill his word. That's the next thing, fulfilling his word and, and revealing his word. Look at verse 25. Paul says, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. So Paul's fulfilling the word of God. So here's some ways in which Paul fulfilled the word of God. First of all, he wrote scripture. He wrote scripture to complete God's revelation. The books that Paul wrote started, well, chronologically in Bible order, not in chronological order in which he wrote them. But going through your Bible in the New Testament, you get to Romans, and then there's a dozen books after Romans that Paul also wrote. He wrote Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. He actually mentions a third letter that he wrote to the church in Corinth that the Holy Spirit didn't preserve in Scripture. Then he wrote Galatians and Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians and 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. Then he wrote some personal letters. Those were letters to churches, to groups of people. Then he wrote some personal ones. He wrote twice to Timothy, 1st Timothy and 2nd Timothy. That's so why we say our church is very spiritual because we have 1st Timothy and 2nd Timothy in our church. You know? and, and then he wrote to Titus and he wrote to Philemon. And so there's 13 books in the New Testament that we can clearly credit that the Apostle Paul was used by God to write this. So he was fulfilling the word. 
He included letters and doctrinal instruction and uh, explanations and corrections and encouragement written by Paul to churches and individuals. God used him in that way. But he also fulfilled the word by walking in obedience to the word. He fulfilled it because here's the commandment and now that's what I'm doing. So I'm fulfilling that commandment in my life. I'm walking in obedience. That's what one way he did. And he fulfilled the scripture by confirming the truth about Jesus Christ. The prophets and Jesus Christ himself had predicted certain things. And Paul comes along saying, the apostles predicted this, or the prophets predicted this, and here's what Jesus did. And they did this, and here's how Jesus fulfilled that. And this in the, uh, the Psalms, and here's how Jesus fulfilled that. He was tying it all together, fulfilling the word of God, and even the teachings of Christ, and he's fitting that all together. And then he also fulfilled it by revealing the dispensation of the church. All through the Old Testament, where was the focal point of God's ministry in the Old Testament? With the Jews, with Israel, around the tabernacle and temple eventually, but it was, it was surrounded by the Jews. In order to be right with God in the Old Testament dispensation, in that uh, you had to convert to Judaism. And then you converted to Judaism and you followed God as those who were born into Judaism follow God. But Christ started a new thing. He started the church. And the church is a pulling together of the Jews and the Gentiles into one body. And, and God used the Apostle Paul to be the one that he would reveal this truth through. Now, for 4,000 years of human history, nobody had talked about this. All the old prophets, they didn't see this coming. Nobody knew. And then God revealed it to Paul. And Paul then revealed it to us, to people in his day, and to us. So how do you handle it today if somebody tells you God has revealed some new truth to them that people need to know? Well, see, we have something that didn't exist when Paul was on the earth, and that's the completed scripture. We have all of the New Testament. We have the Old Testament and the New Testament, the completed scripture. And so if somebody has a new revelation, the Holy Spirit can reveal something to somebody about something they should do. Like sometimes people say, well, I felt the Holy Spirit leading me to take this job or not take this job or date this person or not date that person or, you know, different things. The Holy Spirit can lead different people. But if somebody comes along and says, the Holy Spirit has revealed something to them that all of you need to follow and listen to and learn from, that's not the biblical pattern. The biblical pattern is those revelations stopped when the word of God was complete. Paul even wrote about that to the church in Corinth. And he said, when that which is complete is come, then all those other things will be done away. And so the prophetic revelation of new truth, that ceased when the scripture was completed. So God used Paul to reveal the new truth, this dispensation of the church age. But 
in order to make sure he was doing it right, you know what Paul did? He went back to the original apostles and he talked to them and he presented to them what God was revealing to make sure they thought it was consistent with what they knew from the Old Testament to make sure that he wasn't making a mistake. You know what happens with people who get new revelation today? Uh, they think they get new revelation. They don't want anybody to question them. They've got it all figured out. God spoke to them. They have the answer. And what happens is people follow other people who are not following God's word. And that's where you get the Branch Davidians. That's where you get the people up in, in uh, northwest Arizona who were following a supposed spiritual leader who was following the Bible, and he ended up going to prison for inappropriate behavior with minors. And that wasn't at all godly, what he was doing or how he was leading. A guy up in Oregon who had considered himself to be a person of divine revelation, and everybody had to sell everything they had and everything and go work on his farms, and so he owned 32 Rolls Royces while all the people lived in poverty and squalor on his farm supporting him. So it's important that we connect our lives to the Word of God. We connect our church to the Word of God. And I'm not the only one in our church who's teaching God's Word. In fact, Tim Pennock was doing it right up here during the Bible class time. And we had teachers in other places. And now junior church, there's somebody over there in the children's church teaching a lesson to the kid in there. And we have to focus on the Word of God. It's very important that we seek to fulfill his word. And we can do that by walking in obedience. We can do that by sharing God's truth with others. We can do that by making sure that the things that go on in our church are consistent with God's word. I'm sorry, I'm struggling breathing-wise today. It, I'm not... If you're new here, I have an ongoing health problem. I'm going to have surgery next month. They'll hopefully fix it. My esophagus is battling other parts of my body. And right now they're all fighting for space. And instead of fitting in this area, they're all trying to fit in this area. And it's painful and makes it hard to breathe sometimes. So they'll get it figured out. So they say, <laughs> I sure hope so. If not, then I'm ready for the rapture. All right. Actually, I'm ready for the rapture right now, come to think of it. All right, let's, let's look at verse 27, okay? Uh, so Paul, Paul said in verse 26 that God had revealed this to his saints, to those who followed him. And then he says in verse 27, to them. So he's talking about um, the saints, the believers, those who have received Christ as Savior and are following him. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, in the Old Testament, so, so you say Christ in you, go ahead and click that up. Christ in you, the hope of glory, the riches that we have in Christ. So in the Old Testament, when the Holy Spirit was working in a person, how would they describe it? 
they would describe it as the Holy Spirit came on a person or came upon a person. So the Holy Spirit could come upon a person and the person could then reveal a message from the Holy Spirit. Uh, The Holy Spirit could come on a person and then they could follow and obey where the Holy Spirit sent them. But Jesus said something new was going to take place, that the Holy Spirit was going to come and live inside believers. And so uh, what happened after the day of Pentecost and since then, when believers trust Jesus Christ as their Savior, the Holy Spirit of God comes and lives inside them. If you read uh, John chapters 14, 15, and 16 in the Gospel of John, he talks about how the, the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit. He was, Jesus said, I'm going to go away, but God's going to send another one like me. So the Holy Spirit comes in us with the Spirit of Christ in us when we trust Christ as our Savior. And then Jesus ascended up into heaven. Now, when Jesus was on the earth, if we were in a service and Jesus was there, and he wanted to go over here and talk to Mark and Ethel, well, who wouldn't be with Jesus right then? Everybody else in the room wouldn't be. What about the people not in this room? They wouldn't be either. But see, with the Holy Spirit now, the Spirit of Christ is in every believer all around the world. There are people I love and know and we pray for and support as missionaries and other people that I know, and and they live in other parts of the world. We have kids who live in other states, but they're following the Holy Spirit as we have the Holy Spirit. So Christ is in them and in us and all around the world. And so Jesus said, this new thing is going to be better than if I would stay. Jesus said it was imperative, it was urgent, it was essential that he would go away so that the Holy Spirit would come. Because now, instead of Jesus being with one person or one group of people, now the Holy Spirit can be in a billion people all at the same time, all around the world, leading them, guiding them, helping them, protecting them. So that's Christ in us. When we talk about uh, Christmas, Emmanuel is often said or sung. And and what does Emmanuel mean? God with us. Jesus came into humanity, God with us. Well, now we have God with us at another level. Not just Jesus who historically lived among us, but the Holy Spirit who actually lives within us. God with us. And Jesus said it was better. Not only did he bring the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers into one body, but he then empowered both Jews and Gentiles with the Holy Spirit. So you may not think about it, but you have a better understanding of God's plan for all of humanity than did Abraham or Moses or David. They only had parts of the Old Testament. You have all of Scripture. In fact, you have more of God's truth available in your hand than the apostles had when they started the churches because they were still writing some of this. But we have it. 
Now, we know the end of the story. And we know the fullness of the riches of Christ in us. Someday, we're going to live in heaven. All the aches and pains of life, forgotten. Someday, we're going to all get along. How many of you have a family member, don't point, how many of you have a family member, extended family member, who makes life a little challenging sometimes? Yeah. That won't happen in heaven. We'll all be part of God's family and we'll all get along because we'll all behave appropriately because our sinful nature will be taken away. How many of you at some point this month, the month of June, 2022, at some point this month did something that you wished you wouldn't have or did something that you knew was wrong, you knew better, you slipped up, you did it anyway. How many of you experienced anything like that this month at some point? Won't happen in heaven. In heaven, you'll be perfect. In heaven, we'll all be perfect. In heaven, maybe we'll all sing perfectly. We get excited when we hear great four-part harmony on earth. What if we get 20-part harmony in heaven? You know, people talk about, uh, I'm colorblind, and so people say, man, when you get to heaven, you're going to be blown away. Well, you know, the human eye on earth can only see about this much of the massive color spectrum. What if in heaven we see the whole thing? I think you may be blown away more than I will, because I know I don't see color. And in heaven, I'm going to see it and I'll be blown away. But maybe, maybe there's going to be a special hue in heaven of color for holiness. And when God the Father's presence is particularly there, then that color will just kind of blow up the sky around that area as he moves around and in and out among us. And we don't know exactly what it's going to be like, but we do know this. There will be no pain, no sorrow, no suffering. There'll be no sin. And God will wipe away all tears from our eyes. And, and there will be no physical pain, no emotional pain, no mental pain. I've had friends and family members who've really struggled with um, mental illness. And it's caused great difficulties in their lives. Really hard to get it balanced with medication. And then usually the medication only works for a set number of years. And then they have to go through the struggle of trying to wean off that and get on something new and get it rebalanced. And we know the end of the story. We have the fullness of the riches of Christ forever. So Paul's challenging us and encouraging us. Verse 27, as he's writing to the people in, Cor in Colossae, and then the Holy Spirit preserved it for us, that God willed to make known the riches of the glory of this ministry among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Awesomeness. And Paul said, so this is why I serve. This is why it's worth it. I serve and I minister and I labor. So he says in verse 28, him, Jesus, we preach, warning every man. So what's the warning part of preaching Christ? What? 
Now, the warning part is you're a sinner. And you're going to pay the penalty for your sin or Jesus, you're going to either receive Jesus' payment for the penalty of your sin or you're going to have to pay it yourself. There's a warning, a call to repent, a call to change your life. So we repent. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom. So that's what we do in our Bible classes. That's what we do in our Sunday morning service. That's what we do in our five o'clock service on Sunday afternoons. That's what we do in Awana when Awana is in session. Every week, every age group has a Bible lesson that communicates God's truth. Teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Now when he talks about perfect, it's complete in Christ. So you are considered perfect in Christ, complete in Christ, when you receive him as your savior. The goal is to get as many people on earth to become believers in Christ and then to grow and mature in that relationship with Christ. And then he adds in verse uh, 29, to this end, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. So we are ministering and witnessing, and reaching people for Christ, because that's what Paul did, and that's what the Holy Spirit wants us to pursue. So you can retire from any job. You can retire from any vocation. You can even retire from ministry. Stop doing one ministry, start doing something new, or at some point, I'll have to retire. If the Lord doesn't come back, every pastor that was here before me has either moved away or retired. That's the nature of life on earth. And so at some point, if you're not already retired, at some point you will, or God will take you home. But you never retire from serving Christ. You never retire from trying to reach people for him. There's always someone to whom you can minister. You can reach out. You can help someone. I remember when I was in the VA hospital, I was in the ER. I don't remember what for. There have been so many different things lately. But I was in the VA uh, emergency department. And in the emergency room, they were shorthanded. They were really struggling. And, and so there were people who would come in and they would ask questions. Well, I knew the answers because I'd been sitting around for a while waiting for my turn to be seen. So I just started answering people's questions and giving people directions. And then one of the nurses came and said, you want a job? I said, no, thanks. I don't like hospitals. I'm here as little as possible. But, but you know, we can reach out and we can help people. How far do you have to walk when you leave this property? How far would you have to walk to find someone in need? Some days, you wouldn't even make it out of the parking lot. We can minister to people who have needs. We can help. There's someone with whom you can minister, someone with whom you can share God's word and God's love and the truth about Jesus Christ. Someone God brings into your path for you to care for them as Jesus would do if he were here in the flesh. But since he's not in the flesh, he wants to care for them through the people 
the Holy Spirit is guiding to follow him. So we have the Spirit of Christ in us as we minister to people in his name. And Paul said, we also have his power in us. So we can fully retire from God's work on planet earth when you leave this earth. But until you leave this earth, you're involved in God's plan. When you leave through death or the rapture, then you're retired from serving God on planet earth. Until then, there's something you can do. Years ago, we had a member of our church named Mary. And Mary was a very intense person. Uh, She was a tall woman and she was very intense and she would crowd people. So let's say this, this is you standing there, right? And Mary would come up to talk to you and she'd walk up like this. She would literally get like this far from your face to talk to you. And Mary really wanted to work in children's ministries because she cared about the kids. But, but Mary wouldn't fit in our children's ministry. She was too intense and, and she struggled with some diff- couple of different things in mental illness that were made life a little harder for her. And, and we had to coach her. Alice uh, Brunette and I would coach her and we'd say, you have to hold out your hand and get an arm's distance away from people. So she would walk right up to me, and then she put her hand on me, and then she'd back up so she got an arm's length away from my shoulder, and then she'd say, like this? Yeah, like that. And she got eventually where she would walk up to other people, and she now understood the distance, had a way to, to feel. But Mary t- talked to me one day, and she said, Pastor, she said, I am so frustrated. I want to serve Jesus. I want to be involved in a ministry that helps other people. What can I do? And, you know, she scared some of the kids because she was so intense. Some of the kids loved her and hugged her, and, she, oh, she loved that. Uh, but but I, I, I felt like the Holy Spirit led me to say, Mary, why don't you write letters to people? And she said, well, I can do that. I'm good at writing letters. So I said, why don't you write letters to people and we'll provide you with stationery. And back then, Sherry Miller was my administrative assistant. And sometimes Mary would bring in a whole stack of letters that she'd written. And Sherry'd put them in envelopes, put stamps on them and mail them off. And my dad, my mom was in ill health at the time. And and Mary was writing to encourage my parents. And when my mom and dad came up to the church, or was it after mom died? I can't remember. After mom died, dad came up here to the church. His mom wasn't able to travel much the last year and a half of her life at all. I mean, to the doctor and back, that was it. But dad came up here to church and he walked in. He said, good to see you, son. I want to meet Mary. Take me to Mary. You know, before he hugged his grandkids and all of that, great-grandkids, he wanted to go see Mary. And I took him up to Mary, and he, t- he thanked her for those letters that she wrote, told her what an impact they made on their, for his wife, my mom, and he, and how significant it was. And then my dad did something that he almost never did to non-family members. He gave Mary a bear hug. And Mary had tears running down her face. 
because she was serving Jesus and it was making a difference in people's lives. See, there's some way you can serve. Try and make a difference in people's lives. We're here to represent Jesus. That's why he left us here. And it may not be easy, but it will be rewarding. God is powerfully at work in you and through you as you minister in his name. So Paul and Jesus would have said, I give my life for the church. Jesus gave himself to establish the church. Paul gave himself to establish churches individually. And the church was and is the life ministry of Jesus Christ. And so we joyfully carry on his mission until someday we're in his presence for the church. That's why we serve. And some people act like the church is just no big deal. You can go to church or not go into church, whatever works for you. No, being connected and involved in a church is the way that we model the ministry of Christ. That's not the only way, but if you're not doing that, then Jesus says, you're trying to separate my head from my body. I don't know about you, but if my head gets separated from my body, I'm dead. And so when you try and separate Jesus' head from his body, you're tearing apart Jesus. He wants you to be connected to the head, Jesus, as your Lord and Savior, and the body, your brothers and sisters in Christ, in a family of believers. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your awesome love. We thank you that Jesus came to planet Earth to die in our place, to pay the penalty for our sins. And Lord, we're so aware how desperately we needed that. Not just when we trusted Christ, but every day we need his forgiveness. We thank you for your love, for your grace, for your mercy. We pray that we would represent Jesus on Earth that we would value the church as he valued it, that we would love our brothers and sisters in Christ, and that we would minister to others to help influence them for Christ. In his blessed name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.